Welcome back, Life Group leaders, to another week of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Uh, This is your host, Pastor Evan, and I am not joined with Pastor Hayden because he is still on vacation and need to be praying for him, Kayla, and, uh, and Titus so that they can have a restful trip, that they can get filled up, so that they can come back and pour themselves out back to you, Compass Bible Church. And so be sure to pray for them and their safety to get back here. And I don't have to be so lonely doing these podcasts anymore. But we are excited to continue on our sermon series. So Life Group Leaders, as you know, we exist as Compass Bible Church to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training others to serve Christ. And everything that we do here, including every single podcast that we do, is to fulfill that mission to reach, teach, and train. All right, well, Life Group Leaders, we are continuing our series in Kingdom Happiness. Uh, And the sermon this morning was the meek receive the world. And this comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And let me read that to you right now. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Essentially, the main point of this sermon was that if we know the eschatological plan of God, this should motivate you and me to happily submit to the will of God. Started off the sermon uh, talking about how difficult it is to look around and see really culture falling. It seems like Satan is is taking more ground than than Christ, but really that's far from the truth. Christ is being proclaimed all over the world and, and nations that are against Christ, like Iran and, and China, and the church is exploding. And even God's still you know, reaching people here in the United States, people who claim to be a Christian nation, even though our culture is running away from God, God is still doing a mighty work. And we have to see God's greater plan in order for us to not to be bogged down in depression and anxiety and anger as we look at the people around us. So there are three points in this sermon. One, find kingdom happiness and godly obedience. Two, persevere in meekness. And three, yearn for Jesus' coming kingdom. And so for kingdom happiness and godly obedience, it's to help our life groups this week. Uh, A lot of them watch the news. A lot of them are on social media. And a lot of them are seeing the success of Satan and culture. Furthermore, a lot of our, in the people in our life groups, as we know, are really experiencing a lot of hardship. I can think of several couples that I've been talking to and counseling to, and they're in a really tough spot. Um, you know, governments, you know, governments are persecuting them. Relationships are falling apart. Sin is rampant, and it seems like Satan seems to win. They can be discouraged beyond belief unless they focus on the grand scheme of God's plan. And I bring that up is just you know your life groups, you know your people, the people in uh, your life groups, and it's helping them see this bigger picture. It's keep, keeping them focused on don't forget what God is going to do. It's keeping focus on that and His plan. Uh, I love it when uh, an evangelist mentions how he explains the old you know, the Bible. He's in the Old Testament. You know the Bible. It reveals that there's sin, and it and then the Old Testament. God promises to deal with it, and the New Testament shows how he did it. 
it's very that is that simple. And so instead of allowing our groups to be led astray in discouragement and to be depressed about the circumstances they're facing, uh, to be anxious about the lack of control over their circumstances, and to be angry over their circumstances, if, it, if it's personal, even in their own marriages or their own children or their families, or if they're just looking at the culture at, uh, as a broad picture, we have to ground them. And the reality is that there's a coming eternal kingdom that Christ is going to bring. And so we need to shepherd our groups this week to um, really focus on, on the fact that Christ is bringing his kingdom. Otherwise, we're, we're going to be fighting a fight and we're not going to be really winning. We might have temporary victories, but it's only going to come back again. So for point number one, um, a question, you know, you can ask the question, what does it look like to practically adjust your expectations to God's will? Because that's the point. How, in order for us to find kingdom happiness, we need to adjust our expectations. We can look at ourselves as life group leaders. When were we disappointed? And ask the, and then ask the question, why was I disappointed? Was it because I didn't get what I wanted or God didn't get the glory? Usually it's 10 out of 10 times, unfortunately, in our lives that we didn't get the glory and we didn't get what we want instead of fighting for God's um, plan and God's reputation and God's holiness. And so for us, we need to, ex- you know, to change our expectations of what really, what's going to make us truly happy. Um, as you know, my wife and I, we're, we're wanting more children, but we're having to wait by God's plan Children are a blessing from the Lord. Children do bring happiness, but you know, children are not happiness in themselves. We find our happiness in, in Christ and in God alone, in His gift to have uh, for at least for us to have at least one child. For Theodore, it's it is happiness, not because we just have a child, but that we recognize God gave us this child for a purpose. And the expectation is for Theodore not to make me happy. And for me not to live vicariously through him to make him play football because I played football so that he can make the NFL where I did not make the NFL or for him to be smarter than school than I was or to be more successful than I am or to be a pastor because I'm a pastor. No, what brings me joy is leading Theodore to know and follow the Lord. That's what really brings me true joy because that's what brings God's that's what would bring God's joy. God rejoices when sinners repent. God rejoices when we follow after his son, Jesus Christ. And so our expectations is really conforming our joy to God's joy. Am I more happy that my sports team won a game? Am I happy because the meal I prepared finally worked? Or am I more happy because I was able to witness to my neighbor? Am I more happy because the old friend that I saw on social media, I was able to stand up for Christ you know, to them and actually proclaim the gospel gently and, and in an appealing manner to them. I was able to you know, disciple my family member who's lost to, to Christ. And, and so it's making sure that we match um, our happiness to what God is happy with and his expectation for our life um, and his, you know, what he expects of us and us to make sure I expect that for myself. He calls us to disciple, so that should be my, my goal purpose. He sh- expects me to work heartily for him to bring him glory, so that's what I should do in my work. I should be kind to others because that's what he expects. And so instead of trying to be kind to others to get a deal, I want to be kind to others to display God. So uh, point number two, persevering in meekness. You know, 
it's helping a question you can ask is um how do I measure my own motivations to know if I'm doing the things to the glory of God or for my own purposes? Because you know, persevering meekness is making sure we're doing it God's way. It's making sure that we remember his promises so that we can endure. It's hard in our life and people in our life group they're having a really difficult time persevering. And I don't mean that in a in a demeaning way. You know, it's just they're going through a lot. Their work schedules are crazy. Um, some of their marriages are not doing well, or th- they have disobedient and rebellious children, and it breaks their heart. They see the success of others around them, you know, bigger homes, nicer cars, seemingly better lives on social media, but and they're having a hard time persevering and doing what God wants them to do. And a lot of times what God wants us to do is inconvenient. Hence, you know, David and Saul is inconvenient for David to stay on the run and spare Saul's life. It was inconvenient for Abraham to have to hike up a mountain to kill his son. It was inconvenient for Moses to submit to God when God said, you're not going to enter the land, Moses. You're going to see it from afar and you're going to be content with that. Following God is inconvenient. But it leads to such greater riches. And so that's why we need to persevere. So my motivations is how do I understand my motivations if I'm doing the things for God's glory is asking the questions, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, why am I obeying God's rules now? Is it because, you know, I need to move out of that house? You know, if I'm, you know, someone's in a life group and they're dating and they're maybe living together. Are they moving out of the house because the other person's inconvenient or is it because they want to live a holy life? I, I, you know, stopped cursing at someone. Was is it because I want them to think better about me, or is it because I want to display the life change in me through that is in Christ? You know, if do I want a better relationship with my child so that I can have a little bit more harmony in the home, or is it because I realize I sinned against my child and not leading and discipling them, and I need to actually seek reconciliation and their forgiveness for not leading them the way that I should have? And then lead them in the way that I should have. So as life group leaders, we need to really know our people. Um, those situations I shared are all real within our church. And we need to be able to lead people to persevere meekness and ask the questions, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because if I'm really just doing it for myself, I'm never going to persevere. I'm never going to continue on in humility and patience and endurance and to submit to you know, God's rules and his commands, his will, if I'm going to do it for myself. But if I do it for God, I'm able to per, you know, persevere because I know it's worthwhile. I understand the true purpose behind it. And then finally, point number three, yearn for Jesus's coming kingdom. There's a balance act where it's going to be difficult to kind of help lead your group in this. The question you can ask, you know, they might ask, how do I balance being meek you know, submissive to God's will, gentle and patience and long suffering, but also, uh, but also taking action and not sitting back while the world crumbles. We want, we want a good world. We want a world that is peaceful. We want a world that is harmonious. And sometimes we understand, you know, we have to take it by force. And being here in Texas and for the Texans in the room and for the Californians and transplants who fled to Texas, it's because it's a place that says, you know, get it, get it done on your own. Um, it is difficult to follow God in this and to trust God in this. And that's why I brought up Psalm 37. And that's something you'll read as a group 
but it's maybe something you should read. Read all 40 verses of Psalm 37 and just see the pattern over and over of how God says, be patient, be patient, be patient. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Keep doing what I called you to do and be faithful and, and trust me. God's calling us to trust him. So how do I balance being meek is really just, do I trust God? Do I trust God that, you know, states and people that support the violent murder of unborn in the womb, that he'll bring justice? Yes. Do I believe he'll bring justice to those who celebrate the mutilation of children's bodies? Yes. Do, do I believe that when people wrong me and, and, and uh, lie and twist and, and, uh, take away my, my business. You know, it's happened to people in our church because people lied and uh, they lost their businesses because of it. Yeah, we persevere because we trust God. We trust that God is going to bring us justice. We're going to trust God. He's going to bring his perfect kingdom. And we trust God that I don't live for this life, but I live for the next. It's really helping our people not take up arms like we want and tempted to, to take back by force our governments again, our schools again. We would love nothing more to be able to send Theodore to a school and I'd be able to trust their teachers whole, you know, outright, no matter where I send them. But that's not the case. My job as a parent is to disciple him. It's unfortunate that sports is slowly being deteriorated. It's It breaks my heart that, you know, I look on Disney Plus and I just see content on there that I'm like, this is trying to pull my son away from Christ, not really edify him. So what do I do with that? I keep doing my job, which is to make disciples. I keep proclaiming the gospel. The way that we take back this culture is proclaiming Christ. The only thing that can change, we can have the best governors, we can have the best president. You know, the solution isn't Trump. The solution's not DeSantis. The solution's not Abbott. The solution is Jesus Christ alone. The only way that our country, and if we're going to focus on the country in your life group, the only way that country can change is if God gives us a new heart. And so maybe it's challenging in life group. Are you praying for God to bring a revival? How much are you praying? How many, how many days a week are you praying for this? Are you praying for your leaders? I love the example that John MacArthur did when he called out Governor Newsom of California. He wrote a letter letting him know why what he's doing is wrong, but he pleaded with him letting him know he stands before God and he's praying genuinely for his repentance. And then you can ask your life group, how often do you pray for your politician's salvation? What if President Biden became a Christian? Would you be excited or go, oh, I don't know what to do? I'd be overjoyed if President Biden became a Christian and followed Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that's going to change. No matter how many laws are passed or how many you know, conservatives are put into, into you know, politics, if there's no heart change, we're still in the same sinking boat. And that's why we need to be making sure that we're not sitting back. The meek don't sit back. The meek focus on the right battles. The right battle is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so it's helping our life groups choose the right battles for the glory of God. And I've noticed when people have talked, and even within our church, that the battles they're fighting they're not necessarily fighting for the Lord. They're fighting for themselves and to bring a country in their own image, a, a culture of their own image rather than a culture in God's image. And they might say they want God's image in their culture, but if you examine their lives, their marriage and their parenting, really it's just them trying to subdue things to look like the way that they want them to instead of actually following God's direction. And the reason why their lives might be a mess is not because of the government, really it's because they have been un, they haven't been meek and not be willing to submit to God's will in that. And so it's just leading our group to making sure that they're focusing on the coming kingdom, you know, making sure 
Are we first and foremost thinking of the eternal kingdom that God is bringing? Are we proclaiming that message to one another as an encouragement to the saints and also as a way to proclaim to the lost so that the lost might be saved? And it's always making sure that we find happiness in what God is happy with and what God is happy with is that his image, you and I, is conformed into his image, which is Jesus Christ. And so as life group leaders, our, our prayer is that you're able to shepherd and lead our people away from themselves and back to God. And so, you know, with the application questions and direction this week, I love question two, if we can get to it. It's just, you know, seeing the benefits of following God faithfully, despite of culture success without God. People get promotions, they get you know, like I said before, bigger house, bigger houses, bigger cars. It seems like their efforts are blessed. They seem to have a more happiness. You know, traveling the world. Well, you know, we're stuck here doing our thing. Instead, we need to see what God is trying to reveal in Matthew five five and Psalm thirty seven to say, no, this is reality. There's a time coming, and we shouldn't invest so much in this life, but rather we should invest more in what God cares about, which is eternity with Him. And that's the, that is one of the biggest things we should even emphasize to our group. And if you can get to question seven, if it means you got to skip a few, that's fine. We don't expect you to get all through all the questions in life group. But if you can hit question you know, six or seven or both, those would be very encouraging to help our people to think about what is to come. You know, how can Paul say in Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 4 you know, that he can rejoice in his suffering because the coming kingdom that he, he only knows about, he can't really touch it just yet. Or even Revelation 21 and 22 to have encouraging our life groups to make sure like, hey, let's read this together for the whole week. Every day this week, let's read this together as a group and look forward to a world that's better. You know, you know, for me being a beach kid, the idea that there's no ocean, no oceans in the new earth kind of bums me out. But it does at the same time. I do find joy in being at the ocean. I enjoy being married to my wife, Candace. But both marriage and the ocean, the two things two things that I love, won't be in the new earth. Think about that. And it's better. It's better than the best marriage I can have, better than the best beach I can have. The new earth is better. And making sure that we have a right expectation of what God's kingdom is going to be like rather than our hopes and expectations of what we want the kingdom to look like. So our prayer is, Life Group Leaders, that you'll be able to you know shepherd well your groups this week as you get back together. And being, you know, the end of spring break, our prayers that you are able to reach out and rally, rally your group together and to be able to fellowship and to focus on the right thing. And so, all right. So moving on to um, just the future training to be on the lookout. We have a life group meeting, by the way, life group leaders on March 26th. So actually next Sunday, life group leaders, Pastor Hayden will be leading a training. So let's, let's be there and be ready to be equipped. And also he has a span of care uh, training coming up on ministry grid after that meeting. So be on the lookout for that so that we can be trained up how to reach our very large life groups. And if there's something life group leaders you can be praying about, please be praying for more life group leaders. Pastor Hayden and I are well aware the groups are very large, uh, but we are waiting for qualified people. For, for God to raise up qualified people to take up groups. So you can be praying specifically for people for you to train up, to disciple, to, to get ready, uh, for Pastor Hayden and I to equip those saints for the work of ministry and that God would provide a, a plethora of them because our hope and prayer is that we're able to, to grow as a church and to reach more people for Christ. 
So be praying for more life group leaders. Be ready for the span of care, ministry, group training, and then see you next Sunday on March 26th. All right, we have a few. Oh, actually, no, just a few announcements. See, we have we have way too many announcements, but it's a good thing. Uh, first and foremost, don't as a reminder, we have the DBR Spotlight uh, podcast now. Uh, episode number two is happening later today, so encourage your life groups to take a listen so that we can read the Bible together and particularly understand the New Testament in that. Uh, secondly, life groups are back. If you didn't know. Now you know, life groups are back this week, which means midweek is back for Adventure Club, students, and life groups as well. So be sure to email and text your group to let them know, be at your life group or be square, but do it nicely. Also, ladies, this Saturday is the Women's Fellowship at 9 a.m. So let lady leaders rally your, your ladies to be a part of that and also uh, invite other gals to uh, join uh, join you guys so they can hear the gospel and learn what it means to be part of godly community. So ladies, Saturday 25th, 9 a.m., we'll have a recap in small group. All right, life groups, this is what we want to do. We want to still be an evangelistic church. We never, ever, ever want to be to lose our evangelistic fervor. And actually, we want to keep evangelizing until the rapture happens. So on April the 1st at 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., we will have a church-wide outreach and really challenge your group. I challenge you, you all to be there with us, to go door-to-door to some neighborhoods and to the parks, to invite people to church on Easter and to share the gospel with people. So be there, get your life group there so that we can show our church that this is the best work we can do. If you really want to be happy, don't be doing the Saturday chores. Instead, join us on Saturday to do the work of reaching, you know, uh, reaching the lost for Christ. So bring your group April 1st, 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. And the weekend after that, we have Easter weekend, which is exciting. Pastor Hayden has been prepping for his messages. He'll be praying for his prep. He's got a message on Good Friday and for Easter Sunday. Good Friday, our services are 4.30 and 6 p.m., 4.30 and 6 p.m., uh, and also we have Compass Kids from birth to fifth grade, a normal uh, Compass Kids um, age group. And so, and then also on Sunday, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And so make sure one life group of leaders that we are leading by inviting people to Easter or in Good Friday ourselves, Easter weekend, to hear the gospel. And of course, we have the ba- uh, Easter bash uh, celebration after the 11 a.m. service, and then challenge and exhort our groups to invite people and per- create opportunities to bring them to the outreach and also bring flies to groups so that you can pass them out and say, hey, let's, get, let's do it as a group today. Let's pray and invite someone and pray about them that they would have soft heart and respond to the gospel. All right, and then next we have the Family Matters Conference the week after Easter on April 15th and 16th. And technically we have um, Pastor Mike Fabares, Pastor Lucas Pace, uh, Pastor John Fabares, and Rick Talcott coming out to lead sessions on parenting, uh, conflict, finances, marriage, and a breakout session for the teens. And so let your life groups know, don't hesitate. We are already halfway full. And we still got a few weeks to go, and we haven't blasted this out to the community. So emphasize to your group, one, register now. And two, if you're willing to serve, please serve. We need about 20 to 30 people willing to serve at Encompass Kids alone. Uh, so if you have people willing to serve Encompass Kids, let me know. Uh, Evan at, Hill, Evan at CompassHillCountry.org. We need people to serve there so parents can go to that. And then um, uh, secondly... There's something else, but I forgot. But 
It's okay. It's ten dollars per person. There's Compass Kids available for those who register their kids. And yeah, don't wait. Don't hesitate. We're gonna run out of room if the pace is still being matched. So get your people registered to hear about how to have a godly home. Oh, that was the other thing. Um, also, we need people to serve everywhere. So have tell your life groups. Everyone expect to serve. We need ushers. We need tech, security, parking, um, welcome team worship so we need the whole gambit so um, this is something that as a church yes we get to be a part of and, and, and enjoy but this is something that we also need to serve as well so be praying for that to go smoothly and also that we get to reach more people in the neighborhoods and the community all right and finally we have baptisms coming up on april the 23rd the week after that so we have like five weeks of amazingness it's gonna be great so if you have people in your life group that have been recently saved or have been saved decades ago that still need to be baptized, have them register. You tell them it's a great time. If you're even on the fence, just register anyway so that they can meet with us and we can help them You know, walk alongside to be obedient to Christ by following through with believers' baptism. So you encourage your life groups in that. And life group leaders, I think you've all been baptized, but if you need to be baptized, we'll sign up for baptism. All right, Life Group Leaders, we look forward to hearing how Life Groups go this week. And it is our prayer that God would use you mightily to make disciples in your Life Group. We'll see you this week, and also we'll see you Sunday. Take care. Mm-hmm.